I'm Bonnie Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. In this episode of the China Power Podcast, we're discussing the increasingly contentious relationship between the United States and China. The Trump administration has labeled China a strategic competitor and a revisionist power, and friction is growing across a number of issues in the bilateral relationship, especially trade and economic matters. I'm attending a conference in Beijing this week, and I took advantage of the opportunity to invite Professor Dawei to share his views about the dynamics in the relationship between Beijing and Washington. Dr. Dawei is assistant president as well as professor at the University of International Relations, and he's director of the university's Center for International Strategy and Security Studies. Welcome to the China Power Podcast. Thank you for having me. So, how would you describe the state of U.S.-China relations today? How does the bilateral relationship differ from a few years ago? Yeah, I think now、uh, the U.S.-China relations is in a very difficult status. So,、uh, of course, in past、uh, five or six years, we have already experienced,、uh, you know, many difficulties, many problems, but. I think now we are facing a critical moment. We are facing a, a structural change、uh, in our bilateral relations.、Uh, you know, this year is the 40th anniversary of you know normalization of U.S.-China relations.、Uh, in past 40 years, I think we we were in a, I call it old framework. It's a you know there is a structure.、Uh, I mean, China in past 40 years. Particularly in first three decades, I think China is relatively a, a, a weak country comparing with the U.S. And also, China is a country、uh, basically out of the system, international system, which is le- which is led by by the United States. So,、uh, in that forty years, I think the the strategy of the U.S. towards China was engage China to drag China into the international system, which is led by by the U.S. Well, China's strategy was try to integrate into that system, which is led by the U.S. So we have a unwritten, you know, consensus or something like that. So、uh, with with that, we can overcome some difficulties like、uh, like June Fourth, like nineteen nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six Taiwan crisis, or like nineteen ninety two the bombardment of the former Yugoslavia embassy. Or EP three, we 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 experienced the crisis, but we can then go back to the normal state、uh, status because there is a structural need on both sides. But in recent five or six years, gradually the two sides found that you know there is a change, big change.、Uh, China become、uh, you know at least number two now、uh, in the world if we. Talk about the comprehensive, so-called comprehensive power, and also China is already in this system, fully integrated. Then、uh, you know the U.S. found that the China is not the country that China has not evolved as a country that U.S. expected China to to be. I mean, politically more maybe maybe not a Western democratic country, but more diversified, you know, uh, uh, pluralistic uh, political system. Oh, and on the economic side, you know, it's a mark. I think the U.S. expect China to evolve into a full, 
market-based economy. And uh, uh, the U.S. expected China's foreign policy to be you know, supportive to, to the U.S. Uh, foreign policy. But uh, you know, in recent five years, I think gradually U.S. realized that China has not you know, evolved into that kind of country. And uh, probably uh, many people believe that China is on a contrary direction. So I would say from an American point of view, mm -hmm. I think there's a widely uh, held opinion in the United States that bilateral tensions are not only due to the, the fact that China is rising, um, but it's really the way that China is rising. Yeah. So it's about its economic, political, and military policies, which are increasingly viewed as a challenge, some would say even a threat, mm -hmm. uh, to American interests and maybe even to the international order. Um, is that a, a view that is not shared by people here? Um, I think people, generally speaking, people share the similar view. Uh, though I, I need to emphasize that this power shift or, you know, the power distribution, the change in the power distribution is uh, one of the reasons, very important reason. If we recall the history um, in 1980, I think the U.S. had, uh, you know, difficult relation with Japan. Well, at that time, I think Japan um, is, uh, you know, in Western uh, term is a democratic country and, and uh, its foreign policy it's a US ally so there there was you know difficulties between US and Japan at that time so we have similar thing but we uh, I, I agree with you that and also I think the mainstream view in China is that is not the only reason there are at least the other reason as you said the way China rise or the direction that China is uh, evolving. We think that China become more and more confident in recent years, particularly after the 18th Party Congress. So China think the way it's, it developed is correct, uh, is good. So China uh, want to insist in this approach. But this raised concerns in the United States. As I said, as I, as I mentioned just now, I think it's 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 at the opposite direction as U.S. expected had expected for decades. So I think both reasons explain the difficulties. So um, both the you know the rise itself and also the direction. The Trump administration uh, released beginning in December last year and then early this year uh, several reports: uh, the National Security Strategy, the National Defense Strategy. Uh, the nuclear posture review. And in these reports, China is portrayed uh, as a, a rival, a street strategic competitor, and a revisionist power. And I wonder how these labels have affected the U.S.-China relationship. Mm. And what are the labels that China uses to describe the United States? Uh, I think those labels you mentioned, those three, three words, three phrases, uh, uh, are translated into uh, Chinese as we know that uh, strategic competitor is Zhang Lue Jing Zhongzhe. Uh, I think in Chinese, uh, Zhang Lue Jing Zhongzhe is, is quite negative. Uh, it's more negative than in English, I guess. And uh, it's more you know, difficult to translate the other two. For instance, rival. Rival in Chinese usually we translate it as 对手. 
But how you know? I think there are several different words between rival and enemy in English. But in China, in Chinese, it's hard to you know we it's not very clear how far from a 对手 to to 敌人 enemy. So um, like how how do you translate adversary、uh, into Chinese? So basically, it's being interpreted as a quite negative thing. Well, revisionist is. You know, I I think Chinese don't understand what is revisionist.、Mm. When we say revisionist, we mean Soviet Union, former Soviet Union. We call them Soviet revisionist. So so we many Chinese get you know confused by those. But anyway, we believe. I think the mainstream view believe these are very negative,、uh, you know,、uh, words on China, and it's first time that the U.S. you know use those words on China. So these three documents and.、Uh, Particularly, they, they released the the, the Trump administration released those three documents in less the time less than three months, so gave China a very strong impression that the、uh, China strategy has changed fundamentally in the United States and towards a negative negative direction.、Um, as to China's view, China how China positioning the、uh, the U.S. I think to be frank, I think many many people in China. View the U.S. as a competitor. For instance, I believe that for the PLA, you know,、uh, the the United States, of course, is a competitor. And maybe someone will believe the U.S. is a potential enemy. I think there are some similar mindset in the U.S.、Uh, that's natural. But China has never、uh, publicly say the U.S. is China's competitor. And also, we don't think、uh, because the U.S. is a superpower, we don't think. Uh, we can compete with the United States. So it's true that many people think that、uh, some people think that、uh, the the nature of our bilateral relations is a competitive thing, competitive relation. But we, you know, rarely use this word as competitor.、Um, now the U.S. use this. The U.S. government use this term publicly. I think maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing. Gradually, after the release of this document. Many Chinese say, "Hmm, okay. Since they think we are a competitor, let's have a compete competition." I think this is a changing attitude,、uh, you know, in many among many Chinese,、uh, including many、uh, scholars and government officials. For many years, Americans and Chinese have talked about the mutual trust deficit、mm -hmm. in the relationship and have tried to build confidence, but it seems. People are not talking about building trust and confidence. Is that because this effort has failed? And if it's so, why has it failed? Is this something we should be trying to do, or、uh, is it is it impossible to build trust and confidence between our two countries at this moment?、Uh, I think、um, my personal view is、uh, again, this is also related to the language issue. Uh, in in Chinese,、uh, we don't distinguish trust and、uh, confidence very clearly.、Uh, of course, trust is is 信信任 right, and、uh, confidence is 信心 ah.、Uh, but it's really not very clear about these two different words. So、uh, I personally believe for a very long time, I think it's a too high uh, uh, goal for for our two country to. Try to build mutual trust. I think this is very high requirement, given the you know there are so many differences 
in the political economic system. I think uh, it's and also we have geopolitical competition in in, in East Asia. Maybe I think you know uh, build mutual trust is uh, is very difficult. But what we can do is building confidence. I think uh, the during the Obama administration uh, we successfully. Uh, Achieved some CBMs between our two uh, two militaries. I think those are correct steps we should do. So we should lower our expectation. Um, I I don't think the U.S. and China can have very high level trust, but let's build confidence that we you know uh, confidence building measures that we 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 need we need our two country need to secure our bilateral relations to prevent it from you know slip into a so-called Thucydides trap. I think these are what we should do. So in past years, I think we, I think, um, you know, uh, China side always like to talk about building mutual trust. Um, I think it's a little, it's something I will say wishful thinking. Uh, um, maybe people feel uh, the, you know, the uh, trust fatigue, uh, building trust fatigue, talking you know, building mutual trust while the bilateral relations get deteriorated. Um, so probably we, we shouldn't talk too much uh, on the, or use this word. Um, so I think um, it's maybe it's not a bad thing we talk less about you know, mutual trust, but we, we should not stop our effort to build confidence, particularly now the bilateral relations is really not good, I think very difficult. So uh, these CBMs are something we really urgently need. One of my biggest frustrations uh, in the U.S.-China relationship is that so many Chinese uh, seem to believe that the United States is trying to contain China. And I think that Americans have uh, given up on the potential for persuading China uh, that the United States is just not pursuing a containment strategy. Uh, so even now we have all these trade tensions in the U.S.-China relationship and we hear so many Chinese say this is just the United States trying to suppress China, thwart China's rise, once again trying to contain China. So is it, is it possible to persuade China that the United States is not pursuing a containment strategy? And if so, how do we do that? Mm, it's really hard. Um, when, when we, when China, when Chinese look back, when we read history, uh, there is a so-called 70% trap. Have you ever heard of that? No, well, I haven't. This is a theory. Uh, this is a, maybe a conspiracy theory. So it, it says that if a country's uh, GDP or economic uh, size reach 70% of the U.S., it will get trouble. So, former Soviet Union and Japan, you know, both of them fell in this trap. So now China is at this level. So uh, many people worry that maybe we will be forced into that trap again. Um, and uh, I think, um, yeah, you're right. Many Chinese say the U.S. have a containment strategy it's not a very accurate uh, word, I will argue. Uh, I don't think the U.S. strategy is a, is a containment strategy to China. But we have to 
confess that uh, the U.S., at least from Chinese perspective, there are negative elements in the U U.S. policy, U.S. strategy towards China. So people just call those negative elements as you know uh, 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 the user word containment. But a more accurate way may be like hedging or balancing and this kind of word. But uh, we Chinese usually just use containment. And uh, I think many uh, words, many messages we got from the U.S. also support this argument. For instance, uh, President Obama once said that the U.S. will be, um, I, I forget the accurate, what, what the words he used, but basically the U.S. will be second to none in the next 100 years. Never allow that happen. So I think this kind of uh, rhetoric support the argument. Uh, or if we, uh, if we read, you know, uh, people like Peter Navarro's book about China's economy, um, I think people say, you see, they don't want China's economy to surpass the U.S. And he calls for uh, strangle China before China becomes stronger than the U.S. I think these words, these rhetorics uh, gave evidence to the believer of the 70th percent theory. Um, so how can we, uh, how, can, how can the American convince China that U.S. does not want to contain China? I think it's really hard. It needs to explain it in a very, uh, in a very careful, detailed way say, yes, we do have some differences. We do have the policy uh, in, your, uh, in your perspective is negative, but we don't, uh, we don't want to contain you. And I think uh, uh, this, uh, in this regard, I think strategic competitor is um, maybe a good term. Just tell China, tell Chinese that we want a, you know, a fair uh, competition. We just want a fair competition. We want, uh, you, maybe you can win the competition. China can win, uh, maybe the US can win. We can, um, you know, coexist and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and develop together through this competition. But I really think you can never persuade everybody to believe it, right? It's, it's really difficult, I will say. How would you describe the debates in China today about US power? Is mm. there a consensus that uh, U.S. power is in decline, and how is this debate, if you were to trace it back to the onset of the financial, the global financial crisis in 2009, um, how is that debate changed, and then how does the assessment of U.S. power affect Chinese foreign policy and China's approach to the United States? Uh, I think the mainstream view um, is U.S. is relatively decline, uh, comparing with the rise of China. Uh, particularly if you compare the size of economy, you can say the U.S. is relatively decline. Uh, China is rising, or India maybe, or the, developing, the whole developing world is rising. Um, but at the same time, uh, in the absolute mean uh, way, we, we don't think the U.S. is declining comparing with other, uh, other developing, uh, developed countries like, like Japan, like Europe, we don't think the U.S. is declining. And uh, we think that uh, uh, the U.S. still have very strong power in, uh, in economy, in uh, education, in, in science and technology. So uh, the mainstream view is quite, I will say, uh, very cautious about this U.S. decline theory. 
uh, maybe in the year, let's say, 2008, you know, at that moment, many people say, wow, U.S. had big trouble. But now I think the, 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 the mainstream view is the U.S. basically it's okay. Yeah, it's, its power is strong, very strong. Um, and uh, in recent, uh, for instance, I can give you a, I can give you an example uh, on the ZTE case. You know, um, I think many people in China say when when this happened, the G, the ZTE is you know punished by the Department of Commerce. Um, many people will argue that um, the because the ZTE does not have its own chip and China does not have its own chip to use, it has to purchase it from the U.S. This is the weakness of China, Chinese company. You see, uh, if the U.S. want to punish China or Chinese company, we will be at a very, very you know, weak position. Uh, this is directly related to, to China's weakness. Uh, and so um, I think this is a mainstream view. Of course, there are different extreme view here. Uh, many people believe that, uh, some people believe at least uh, particularly on the left side of the uh, our political uh, spectrum, they believe that the U.S. is declining. But I won't call them mainstream view. And how does this assessment affect Chinese policy? Does it mean that China is more willing to stand up to the U.S., to push back, to confront the United States? I think um, if we, just now I said there are different uh, various view on this, uh, I think, generally speaking, our government and our experts are, uh, they are more cool-headed, I think. I think they, they understand this, um, the relative, you know, uh, 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 the relative power of the United States, though it's declined, but it's still uh, very strong. So, and the, China, uh, the U.S. is still the, uh, the single country in the world that can um, influence China, uh, you know, uh, both in the in, in, in the negative or in the positive means way. So uh, the U.S.-China relation is still the most important bilateral relations for China, and uh, maintain this stability uh, of bilateral relations is extremely important. I think this is the 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 view held by our government officials and the, and the experts. Well, having said that, um, as, as I said, the mainstream view think that the U.S. is relatively declined. Uh, so China is not as weak as before when we facing the when we face the United States. So that means hmm, maybe sometime you know we can have a have a you know more firm position. We can have a let's say trade war, for instance. Yeah, if ten or twenty years ago it's something unimaginable. But now people say mm, maybe um, the U.S. will suffer a lot if we have a trade war. Uh, of course, China may suffer more, but the U.S. will also suffer. So why can't we have a, let's say, a small-scale, uh, you know, mini trade war to give them a lesson? Yeah, I think this is a, you know, mm, argument in China uh, and among many many mainstream thinker. So in that way, I think that changed the China's, you know. China's uh, thought on the U.S. and our foreign policy, but uh, that means tactically we can we can take some hard, firm uh, position against the U.S. While uh, strategically we still need a 
stable bilateral relations. President Donald Trump uh, has been in office now about uh, 16 months, and uh, he has met with, of course, uh, Xi Jinping several times. Do you think that China has a good understanding today about President Trump? Is China still trying to figure him out? Um, Does he only pose challenges, or are there also opportunities and and is this relationship between the two leaders is that important yeah i i think on the first question i think china still feel it's very hard to understand president trump um some people say president trump is uh, you know uh, a businessman and is someone who who can who can talk who can negotiate and who is willing to reach agreement so um that's a good news uh, you can talk to him, uh, but some people believe that uh, he is highly unpredictable, and uh, um, it's very hard to 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 master to know really know what he's thinking and what he's what he is going to do. So um, it our view towards President Trump, I think, changes uh, uh, changes uh, by the the status of the bilateral relations. For instance. Uh, last year, in uh, the year 2017, the bilateral relations uh, was, at the beginning, was not very good. Uh, President Trump called the leader in Taiwan, so people he- here think, you know, President Trump is highly, you know, you know, uh, difficult to, to predict. But uh, after the summit in April, um, his v- image here improved dramatically. People think, wow, he is someone who really we can we can we can uh, reach agreement we can we can talk to, but after the uh, the national security strategy in past three or four months again I think his image shifted back to that unpredictable one, so um, we still don't cannot figure out what president uh, what President Trump is, uh, who it is, and. Uh, uh, for us, you know, of course, he he gave us he he also means an opportunity, uh, just like uh, what we have experienced from last April to December. I think it's stable and uh, it's good, and he he can break the. Uh, for instance, he can uh, he and President Xi meet in Malago uh, last April, and very quickly they reach agreement for you know four mechanism. Uh, of dialogues, uh, and also uh, he he say a lot of good words when he visit China. Uh, he changed the, the 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 his his tweets. Uh, how to say that the um, the picture on his tweet. So people believe mm, uh, he's someone you know. Uh, he means opportunity, but in the future, I think he could provide opportunity further. It's still possible. The challenge is um, we need to uh, we need to um, engage the whole United States, not only President Trump. I think there are at least three group of people, or maybe four group of people. Uh, first is President Trump himself. Secondly, uh, are the people around him uh, in the administration, uh, like uh, like. Uh, uh, Secretary of Defense Mattis, like uh, National Security Advisor uh, John Bolton, like uh, Secretary of State Pompeo, and others. So those are people in the government. The third group we call it strategic community. They particularly those out of the uh, government, uh, people like you, 
uh, in the think tank. And uh, the third group, maybe the ordinary Americans. So um, I think the challenge is probably we can have a good personal or you know uh, personal relation. I mean, our leader may have a good relation, personal relation with President Trump, but the attitude among the other three groups, particularly the second one, the second group, uh, people in the administration, and the third group, people in the strategic community, community, their attitude to China, you know, deteriorated sharply, greatly. I think in past. Uh, maybe five years. So, so you can handle President Trump, but how can you handle the other group, the other two groups? So I think this is the challenge. Yeah. I've always believed that if we can cooperate on concrete things, mm -hmm. uh, then we can help maybe tamp down some of the competitive impulses in the bilateral relationship. So I wonder, what are the issues that you think really have the potential for uh, cooperation in the Obama administration? Obviously, climate change was yeah. the big bumper sticker of, uh, uh, for cooperation. So what are those issues where you think we have that potential going forward? Mm, I think now we, don't, we really don't have so many areas we can cooperate like the Obama administration. The, the, uh, the whole global level, I think, diminished like uh, <coughs> climate change or fighting the epidemics. I think those things that Democratic Party uh, cares, this administration, I think, gave up. So for, <coughs> for now, I guess uh, one thing is uh, Korean Peninsula. I think we, we are doing pretty well. Uh, I mean, our two countries, though we have different ideas, but uh, we, we, we we have taken similar position, I mean firm, very strong position against uh, DPRK. At the same time, we both of our two countries uh, welcome the uh, changing position of DPRK. Uh, we try to uh, facilitate, we try to embrace their new diplomatic position. I think this is a good thing, but it has not been, uh, I think, at least from our perspective, we don't know if the uh, the U.S. feel, uh, what do you feel about this? I mean, China's role, uh, because, um, of course, from the spokesperson, they always say, yeah, we appreciate China's role, but um, we we cannot see it in the overall bilateral relations, you know. the We have this good relation, a good cooperation on this one particular issue, but the, 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 the whole overall bilateral relations, you know, uh, still, deteriorated. So it's very hard to explain. On the one hand, you cooperate, you, you work with, collaborate with the United States. On the other hand, they call you a strategic competitor or rival. So it's really very hard to persuade Chinese people. Um, what, what other areas? I think there are several areas we, we, we should cooperate, but now we cannot. For instance, the, the US infrastructure building I think this is an area that uh, we have the potential. Uh, China has some capability, the US has the need, and if we can do something together, I think that will be uh, very good for our bilateral relations. But so far, um, of course, China is barred from that, and uh, given the you know, so bad economic relation, uh, I don't think it's, it's possible in the foreseeable future. And um, some people here also talk about some uh, smaller thing like uh, 
uh, like counterterrorism. Yeah, it's for very long time people say this is a potential area, but for various reasons, our cooperation had been quite limited, I will say. Uh, and uh, now the Trump administration believe that uh, the uh, great power struggle is more important than counterterrorism. Um, but on this regard, I think China has a has need. China worries about the international global uh, terrorism, and so it could be an area that we can do something, but very hard. Well, thanks so much for giving us your perspectives on U.S.-China relations today. We've been talking with Dr. Da Wei, who's professor and assistant president at the University of International Relations in Beijing. Thank you, Bonnie.